Good afternoon. I'm Daniel Guest, and welcome to the Imagine Golf Podcast brought to you by Imagine Golf and PXG. You can go to our site, imaginegolf.com, to see all of our offerings, including our free drills, our practice plans, our free golf ebooks and videos, or to book a lesson with me in our state of the art studio right outside of Philadelphia, or even virtually through our partner, golfliveapp.com. And you could sign up for our free tips and videos that go out once a week, every week, by simply dropping us your email. So I said uh, in a previous episode that uh, every Monday um, our episodes are going to go out or are going to drop, and uh, here it is Tuesday, and um, and it's going out. <laughs> but in my defense, the Monday was a holiday, so uh, there you have it. So we're going to talk about a subject today that I see all the time, um, and one that uh, you'll thank yourself for if you listen to this entire episode, um, because it'll change your game. It'll definitely change your game. I see it all the time. Um, and that's wedges, right? The confusion that surrounds wedges, right? Um, wedges are an integral part of the game. You're going to hit them arguably just as much as you'll hit your putter, or probably not just as much, but uh, significantly as much as your putter, right? And if you don't have a good short game, um, you don't have a good game. So it's really, really, really important to uh, to have the right wedges and or the appropriate wedges, or both for that matter, um, to, to suit your game and to suit, uh, your swing, if you would. So just some basic things around the wedges, right? So it always cracks me up, you know, uh, I'm 58. So game improvement irons didn't come around till probably, uh, the late nineties, right. Um, to the masses, if you would. So before that, everything was, a was some kind of version of a, of a standard blade, if you would, maybe a little bit bigger, maybe a little bit thicker, but certainly nothing like the the cavity back and, and game improvement irons that are are today, right? So about uh, eighty five to ninety percent of all amateur golfers play some sort of game improvement iron. About twenty five percent of them play what's called a super game improvement iron. So and that's good, right? It's going to help you uh, uh, shoot better scores. It's going to help you enjoy the game more. Um, it's going to help you have more fun. So all, all of that is, is positive, right? So you look at those numbers, right? 90-some percent have game improvement irons. 25% have a, a, a version of, of super game improvement irons, right? And then you look at their wedges, right? And I'm forever seeing wedges, you know, that are 40 years old. I'm not exaggerating. 35 years old. Their grandfather's, you know, wedge or whatever. Or, you know, they just – they can't – they don't have a good short game, so they don't spend any money on a wedge, right? Um, and they might only have one, maybe two in the bag max, Right? Um, the, and it's dirty or the grooves are old. And we already talked about in a previous podcast about the importance of dirty clubs, but you get the idea the, the wedges need to be updated. Right. And then on top of that, another subset of people have the wrong wedges. So the same guy, guy or girl, right. Has a game improvement set of irons. They spent, you know, a good, good chunk of money on thousand plus on that. Uh, and then they have, um, some high level Vokey wedge in their bag, right? So they have game improvement irons and they have a blade wedge that uh, Phil Mickelson and Tiger Woods use, right? And again, it, it just, when you say it out loud, it doesn't make any sense, right? Um, wouldn't it be better that if you had game, if you have game improvement irons, you're a double digit handicapper, so you have game improvement irons, wouldn't it be better to have game improvement wedges? There's a concept, right? So, and th these things are out there, right? So, You've got let, let's let's take the wedges just a little bit more seriously, and your game's going to improve dramatically, right? So let's just talk about just some basics of the wedges, right? So an average pitching, <laughs> excuse me, pitching wedge, all right, is around I don't know forty four to forty eight degrees, right? So 
and and most pitching wedge, most sets <coughs> come with a pitching wedge and maybe even a sand wedge there. But let's say your pitching wedge is 44 to 48. If your next wedge is a sand wedge, that club is typically 56 to 58, with 56 degrees being the 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 uh, the standard, if you would, right, or the most common. <clears throat> so if you have that big a difference between your your clubs, that gap difference, the gap between let's say 44 and 56, right, is too much, right? So your pitching wedge will go 120, but your sand wedge will go uh, 90. That's a 30 yard gap between the two, right? So it's very difficult to play consistent golf when you have that large gap between. We're looking for about a 10 to 12 yard gap for men and about a seven to nine yard gap or 10 yard gap, depending on the uh, data that you look at for women, right? So we got to make sure that we dial in these wedges, right? You got every other thing dialed in. Everyone's got a, 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 a brand new driver, right? Americans love their drivers. Everyone's got a set of a set of hybrids or a set of woods or a combination thereof, right? Usually two or three of those. Um, and then they have one sandwich or they have a pitching wedge and some other wedge in their back, right? So um, get get the, these things um, gapped, if you would, appropriately. So figure out, the, so for, let's back up. First of all, all the manufacturers, there is no standard for clubs anymore, right? So a pitching wedge for TaylorMade might be 44 and a pitching wedge for Ping might be 48, right? So you've got to know what those differences are, right? So that you can gap your wedges appropriately or, or fit your wedges appropriately. But on average, I mentioned the pitching wedge is between 44 and 48. A gap wedge or a G wedge or whatever you want to call it is between 50 and 52 on average, as low as 48, but between 50 and 52. A sand wedge I mentioned is between 56 and 58, with 56 being the most common. And then you have lob wedges, which are between 58 and 64. We have a whole podcast, by the way, with 60 being the most common. We have a whole podcast coming up next week or two weeks from now on on a lob wedge, should I carry a lob wedge? Should you need a, do you need a lob wedge? But for now, let's just go through that, right? Those are the differences, right? So you're going to hit all of those different clubs. If you had those four wedges in your bag, they're all going to go, right, a different trajectory and a different distance and a different stopping pattern, if you would. So you're really going to have a dialed-in approach if you just have one more wedge in your bag, right? And that it's not your grandfather's wedge, right? <laughs> so um, a couple different things on the wedges before we get started, or before we go any further, I should say. Look, a sand wedge, as an example, is not just for the sand. I see it all the time, right? Uh, it's practically brand new because people don't even use it, if you would, right? But a sand wedge is just another name for a wedge, right? In fact, there wasn't even a sand wedge. No one even called it a sand wedge until like the 1930s, right? When a guy named Gene Short Sorumstan, so, <laughs> I think I said that, right? Um, Sarazan, however you want to pronounce it, right? He developed, right, this sand wedge, if you would. But prior to that, um, and, and all, the, all he did basically was put more of a, more of a leading edge, not leading edge, more of a sole underneath the leading edge than pr prior, so, and we're going to talk about bounce and grinds and leading edges and all that in a few minutes here, but um, it just made it easier to get the ball underneath the golf club or get, excuse me, get the club underneath the golf ball when the ball was in the sand. But prior to that, no one even called it a sandwich. And by the way, the sandwich itself, right? Most people on tour 
didn't even use it in the sand initially. All they did was use it as another lofted wedge in their bag. So it, for amateurs, right, you and me both, for amateurs, I want you to start thinking about your sand wedge as just another uh, tool in the bag, another uh, uh, qu- uh, uh, arrow in your quiver, another what, whatever analogy you want to use, right? Because if you start hitting that thing full swing, half swings, quarter swings, before you know it, you're going to have predictable distances that you feel comfortable with with that sandwich, right? And because it's one of the heavier clubs in the bag and the shortest club in the bag typically at around 33 or 34 inches, it's an easy club to hit. So if, if we did nothing except if, if the whole podcast was three minutes long and said, hey, um, use your sand wedge more than just in the sand, you'd shoot better golf, uh, golf scores, right? Um, so there it is, right? So you, you're, ideally, we're supposed to have at least two wedges and probably we like to see our students no less than three wedges, right? So we want to make sure those wedges are between four and six degrees difference, right? And we want to make sure they're hitting them full swings, half swings, and quarter swings to start, right? And that's an easy way to kind of dial in your short game, if you would. All right. Now, let's talk about this crazy term or crazy phenomenon called bounce. And again, at 58 years old, the term bounce, I, I, I didn't even hear it until probably the uh, late 90s, early 2000s, right? Bounce refers to the bottom of a club, right? And the width or thickness of that club. And its ability to kind of bounce off the ground or bounce through the turf or bounce through the sand. That's it. Don't make it any more complicated than that, right? The more bounce, typically, the more forgiving a club is, right? Point paragraph, right? Um, Bob Vokey, the guy that, you know, Titleist bought his company for crying out loud, right? He says bounce, quote, bounce is your friend. And he's right, right? Essentially, it just provides more forgiveness on all wedge shots. So even when you don't strike the ball perfectly, right, or you make some mistakes, right, in your swing, the ball still goes relatively where it's supposed to be, right? Um, And so bounce is important depending on your type of swing and your type of game. And what I mean by that, your type of game, is where do you play, right? So, and, and the Northeast, as an example, our turf is pretty neutral, right? A lot of blue grasses, right? Um, a lot of rye grasses, if you would. We don't have any St. Augustine grass here in the Northeast, right? So the ground here is pretty neutral. So if that's the case, then we probably want to start looking at some neutral bounce options. So a neutral bounce option might be 7 to 10. And there, when I say 7 to 10, it's measured in degrees, okay? A low bounce would be more for like super firm turf. So if you're playing out in the in the western part of the country, if you would, or a drier climate where the turf seems to be more more uh, uh, firm, or if you only play on a certain course or certain courses that you know maybe don't have huge irrigation systems in place or whatever, and the turf is more more um, more firm, or the bunkers don't you know some of these uh, muni courses you know don't even have really real sand <laughs> in the bunkers, so that would be considered you know uh, uh, firm. Right. So you're going to need low bounce. Right. You don't want a lot of high bounce bouncing off that turf. Right. Or bouncing off that that difficult um, uh, sand trap, if you would. Um, and likewise, if you're if you play in 
bunkers that have incredibly fluffy sand or um, grass that's um, constantly soaking wet or, or a turf that's really soft all the time or whatever, then you probably want a higher uh, bounce if you would. So bounces normally by in today's uh, world today is normally stamped on the backside or underside of a club. But if it's not, clearly you can do some little research here um, and look for the proper bounce for your game. The other thing to consider is bounce is important uh, in how you swing. So if you have a steep attack, if you would, right, then you want less of a bounce, right? If you come to the, come through the ball on a, on less of a steep uh, attack, then maybe a higher bounce will work for you. And you'll only know if you get professionally fitted or you go, even if you don't get professionally fitted, just hit a bunch of them. You'll notice immediately, right, that um, a, bounce, a certain bounce will have an immediate material impact on how the strike feels and more importantly um, than how it performs, all right? So bounce is typically just the bottom, or essentially just the bottom of the club, right? The higher the bounce, right, the easier it is to hit on certain turfs, right? And generally, the higher the bounce, the better for amateur golfers. And the bigger the bounce number, so if you get into the higher, like higher bounces, like 12 and 14, that, that bottom of that club will actually be below the leading edge. So when you put the club on the ground, in, on a, especially if you're at the range, it may look a little odd because the leading edge of the golf club will be a slightly slightly above the actual turf. That's what we want, though. We want the bottom of the club making contact with the turf or the sand first so the leading edge can just cut right through it. So it's important, all right? Um, so don't bypass it. Grind is simply the leading or the bottom edge of that, right? So let's say that bounce goes all the way across the club. It would be almost square then, right? If you look at the toe as an example, and the toe seems to be rounded a little bit, that's the grind, right? So you can have it ground down more, ground down less. If you want the entire bottom of the club to have that bounce, if you would, you can have that. If you want both edges, the heel and the toe, to have less of that bounce, right, then you can have that as well. So you can really, really dial in, right, a, an appropriate wedge, right, um, style of wedge, I should say, um, for your game and your swing type and all that stuff. So again, this is going to make a big difference. Don't, don't, uh, don't, it can't be understated. So don't just blow it off because if you're playing with your grandfather's wedge or you're playing with your favorite wedge that you think you're great with, if you would, I can guarantee you, you're going to be better with today's technology and wedges. right. So ch check it out if you would. All right. Hey, some, uh, some manufacturers that make great, um, game improvement wedges. I'm partial to the Cleveland CBX. I love that wedge. It's one of the first uh, game improvement wedges. It's uh, moderately priced, actually even cheap at sometimes, um, but it's a phenomenal wedge. Edison wedges. We uh, we endorse Edison wedges here at Imagine Golf. They're handmade. They're forged. They're American-made. Um, the designer of the Edison wedge was the designer for Ben Hogan clubs um, and score wedges back in the day, so just phenomenal wedge. A little bit more pricey, but absolutely phenomenal. Um, the Callaway CB Mac Daddy wedge, phenomenal wedge. Uh, the Ping Glide, great wedge. Uh, and a favorite of mine, of course, we're, we're endorsed by PXG, or we endorse PXG, and, and they, uh, they help sponsor the, the web uh, podcast here. And, uh, and I happen to play them, the PXG Sugar Daddies, right? There's probably not a more adjustable wedge than those. They have six different weights that you can adjust on the, 
on the back uh, of the uh, of the club. They have ten different bounces. They have five, I think five or seven different grinds. I mean, it's a it's a crazy adjustable wedge. Of course, it's going to be a little bit more expensive because it's also forged and handmade in America as well. So, but those are just some options, right? If you don't want to go that route, right, and your your chipping game stinks, and and I can't even believe I'm going to say this, if you would, but get a chipper, right? Chippers are all, you know, the rage anymore. Everyone, not everyone, a lot of people have chippers. We used to call them cheater clubs, right? And we used to laugh at people. In fact, we still laugh at people sometimes. You know, you see a guy who's a, a, a seven handicap, an eight handicap, and he's got a chipper in the bag. You're like, what, what, what are you doing with that thing, right? But a chipper um, is a really easy club to hit, all right? It's normally a little bit heavier than most. Um, it's lofted um, conservatively, usually around... 38 to 40 degrees of loft. Um, and a lot of times you just swing it similar to a putting stroke. So there's not a lot of form uh, or finesse with it. Um, and the weight in that certain loft, if you would, get that ball up and going, if you would. So um, there's nothing wrong with chippers. If, if Look, it, it, that guy that's a seven handicap and he's using the chipper, you know, he's in the top 10 percentile of all golfers on the planet. So who's laughing now, right? But um, old wedges, Definitely not good, right? We talked about them, right? Um, the grooves are not sharpened. The the um, the the club itself is antiquated and all that stuff. So get rid of those old wedges, all right? Um, and if you have a game improvement iron in your or irons in your bag, make sure you get game improvement um, wedges, all right? Um, that's about all I have today, right? Um, I think it's I think it's paramount to understand that we fit almost everything today in golf to your game right? We fit your ball to your game. We fit your driver, obviously, to your game. Everybody knows the the, uh, the loft of their driver, right? N hardly anyone knows. If I go down the driving range and ask, hey, what are your, uh, <laughs> what are your degrees, loss of your, dri or your wedges, and what is the bounce and grinds, right? If they even know the degrees, which half the people don't, right? They certainly don't know the bounce numbers, and they, God forbid, do they don't know the um, the grinds, if you would. They don't even know they have an option for there. And I'm kind of poking fun, but I'm not, right? Because you're going to take a, a lot more shots, right, in your short game than you ever are in your driver. So um, we really want to spend that same onus and that same uh, time frame and effort that we put in selecting all of our other clubs, right, on the wedges, all right? There's a ton of information on the, on the web. We have tons of information on our site uh, as well. Um, and if you have any questions, just hit me up in the, uh, in the question uh, box below. All right. That's all I have. Thanks for tuning in. Hit the follow button wherever you get your podcast. Be sure to check out our site, imaginegolf.com. And that's I-M-A-G-E-N golf.com. And you can follow us on all the social media platforms. So here's to getting you the game that you've always imagined.